find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Incoming podcast in three, two... Gangway! Well, (laughs) you crashed it. What's up, you guys? I'm Catherine. And I'm Haley. And we are Saturdays Are for the Ghouls, a podcast on the Podmoth Network. We cover all things spooky, like horror movies, true crime, the supernatural, and spooky stories in the most chaotic way possible. So join your favorite ghoul friends every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And become a spooky babe. <laughs> so spooky babes, we'll see you in your nightmares. Welcome to Getting Down and Wordy. I'm Russell Perkle. And I'm Hannah, and I'm also on the podcast. And this is a podcast where we talk about popular music and the English language, etymology, linguistics, some kind of mashing together of the two. Ooh, we were so close. You had, you got, we were, you were on a roll. Oh, uh, what? Well, well, I went wrong. I thought I was doing great. What? <laughs> no, no, no. You were on a roll. You just kind of oh. like, and then you were like, and then. A little bit, you can, uh, you know. <laughs> you can hear where I lost heart in myself. It's just so, no, but you started off so confidently, and I like that. Yeah, and it felt weird, so that's why I stopped. I was like, mm-hmm. "This isn't normal," you know. Just didn't <laughs> feel right. Uh, also, of course, no, no. I was gonna say you don't usually like walk around with that sort of unearned white boy confidence that you would expect out of somebody like, say, Vanilla Ice. <laughs> wow, that's that's so controversial to me because, like. I, I had a similar feeling, just generally, again, kind of this uh, zeitgeist sense of like, uh, you know, what things are, what the cultural history, the narrative is. But after reading about them, I feel uh, maybe half that way. I feel 50% different, mm-hmm. I would say, you know. 50% is quite a lot different. 50% folks, different. what we are talking today. Sounds like the name of one of those, like, uh, business, like, how to, how to, like, do better business better books, you know? 50% different. Either that or, like, a Roman Mars podcast, I don't know. Ooh, it sounds like, like, an AI-generated, uh, like, a really crappy AI-generated, uh, business book. <laughs> As opposed to all the really good AI-generated business books <laughs> that we have. Well- yeah so of course as as you're about to say we are talking about vanilla ice today ice ice too cold too cold um and his ice one of many hit songs uh ice ice baby can you name the rest his other hit songs (laughs) uh his other hit songs include um, a cover of a song called Play That Funky Music and End of List. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say that Play That Funky Music song was actually a hit. <laughs> I mean, it was the cover of a hit, so <laughs> in that way, kind it of. Was, well, in my opinions, of, so we'll get into our, our personal feelings about Vanilla Ice. I'm sure everybody has personal feelings about Vanilla Ice. I think at his very heart, the man is a capitalist. 
Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I can and, see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot of these songs, and we'll get into uh, a little bit about Ice Ice Baby in particular, uh, it's sort of like just a collage of other people's work. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's true. Yeah, just... Well, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I, in his defense, uh, it seemed like a lot of... It was like, this was like everybody's idea when they had a white rapper, uh, whether it was... I think it was generally not the rappers themselves idea. It was generally like their producer, their manager, whatever. They thought, okay, what mm-hmm. what song can we try to get a hit out of? And a lot of white rappers did a play that funky music white boy rap song. Actually. That is true. So that I don't know. Very, very I true. Mean, I mean, it isn't as if it's like vanilla. I don't think this was Vanilla Ice's idea, you know? Mm, and that's, and I think that, uh, his producers also uh, um, probably more the villains in his story than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Like not not his DJs, not not his collaborators, nothing like that. Not even vanilla to to a certain extent, but the the producers, the guys who are like, uh, "Hey, how are we going to make this person a star?" Mm. Um, they're kind of the villains in this <laughs> <laughs> it raises the question who's the hero <laughs> i don't know well i mean, I mean it the show is called vanilla ice so i think that makes him automatically the hero oh yeah he he does he Even did have kind of like a captain america thing going on at the time you know <laughs> a little bit did you watch uh, vanilla ice goes amish I did not see that at all. Was that a song or a reality show? Or? No, no. He got a. I think it, he only shot the pilot, but it was a, a supposed to be a hit TV show starring Vanilla Ice uh, living as an Amish person. <laughs> yeah, something I uh, realized or was pointed out to me recently is kind of like. This whole rise of, well, not the rise, but this this point where reality TV went really, like, twice as off the rails as it already did, and also mm-hmm. possibly gave us, like, the Donald Trump uh, presidency was the I'm writer's so strike. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> you know, like, this first writer's strike, it was like, there weren't mm-hmm. any, like, good writers for, um, mm-hmm. for s- scripted shows, and at that time, like, writing for reality TV show wasn't really considered writing, so they weren't in the strike. And so, like, there are all these, like, out outsized popularity of, like, reality show that otherwise would have just been kind of garbage, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's not his fault. They were making it, they were doing that with everybody. Uh, MC Hammer had a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, it's, it's really not Vanilla Ice's total fault which is why i i feel like i have to preface this because i'm about to talk a little bit about how white privilege this song kind of is sure sure we should we uh, should mention first like uh so we're talking about vanilla ice 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 baby uh as you might expect us to talk about a word like ice or baby or something because that's usually about how far we read into the lyrics of a song <laughs> uh, we're actually talking here today about gangway surprise <laughs> like, <laughs> has there ever been a more out of place word in a song in the history of songs? no <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's so it's so bananas. And and um so we know that slang goes through like periods of of uh relative uh, relatability, relatability. Yeah, all those things. Yeah. When, all the R re- words. When you're relevant. Relevance. Yeah. It goes that's, through yeah. periods of relevance and irrelevance. Sure. So something's no longer groovy anymore. It's cool. But um Gangway is a bit of slang that was going through a steep decline in <laughs> yeah. relevance, I should say. Because, you know, not that um, many pirates around, whatever. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it's there only was a, placed was, a... was like, uh, I, 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 it's like I have this image in my head. and It's not an actual memory. It's one of those kind of reconstructed mm-hmm. memories of like one of these uh, Disney like duck cartoons, whether it's like Darkwing Duck, <laughs> DuckTales, whatever, of like some character out of control, like barreling down a busy street or something and just shouting gangway, you know? Yeah. Cartoon relevance is about as close to irrelevance <laughs> as you can get without actually being dead. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And as you're saying, like, it was kind of like it had mostly fallen out of usage around the time that uh, Ice Ice Baby came out, which was like, uh, I don't have the exact number here, but late, late 80s or early, early 90s. Let me double check that. Um, uh, it was actually released in 1990. 1990, precisely. Yeah. So, uh, precisely. The turn of the decade, so to speak. I don't know if that's a Now, word. I was not alive uh, in 1990, but um, I have seen pictures and there were not many pirates. Yeah. Like real pirates. And I even double checked, like, if there was some big pirate thing that came out around that time, like a popular movie or book or mm-hmm. TV show or what. No, not really. Interesting. I mean, Little Mermaid had come out in 89, but uh, I mean. That's true. Could be somehow connected. Did they say Gangway in that movie? It sounds like something that they would have said in that movie. I don't, you know, oddly enough, I don't think it was very piratey. E- even the new one is a little <laughs> more piratey than the the old one, just because there's a bit more ship action, you know. Oh, but, have you seen it then? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. It's good. It's good. Okay. Yeah. Good. Great. I recommend it. Um. Okay. But so yeah, and for me, like I was listening to the radio, this song came on, and this where Gangway really stood out, and essentially. If you look at, like, the word usage frequency thing, you know, it's like he brought this word back or he rode a wave that brought this word back to popularity because, like, it's shot up since. Who knows? Is yeah. it just because of this this song or what? I don't know. <laughs> and I think that is tied in a little bit to this song's particular karaoke factor. <laughs> is it? <laughs> because the karaoke factor is wild. Off the charts, like, yeah. Off the charts. Russell, I don't rap. I don't think I can rap. I think I could do this song. And I'm not even drunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. I'm gonna. I gotta lay out the beat right now. Let's kick it. Right, no, no, not really. I wouldn't do that to you. Yeah, I mean, like this song. It's just a joy to listen to. Like, uh, I, I think you know, looking back at it, it's always hard to know like how much of your feelings are just nostalgia for something. But mm-hmm. there's such a energy to this song and of course super popular of course everybody knows it uh generally now i think few people hate it you know it's like yeah uh, there's a there's a weird thing that happens i guess where 
when a song is contemporary, you know, you have a lot of like strong feelings for it and it's very common to reject a song. But when a song's really old, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people really like hate songs from other generations in the same kind of like uh up in arms offended kind of way, you know. Good question. I mean, all of that backlash against um, uh, Baby It's Cold Outside, that's a song that came out in the 1930s. That's a good point. 30s and or 40s. Really similar song. <laughs> maybe maybe people are just objecting to cold babies. Maybe that's what they don't <laughs> like. <laughs> it's misplaced anger. Warm that baby oh up. Put gosh. a blanket on that baby. <laughs> <laughs> But off topic, but I have been on a tear. I have been crocheting so many baby hats. There you go. You'll Here's fix the whole. So this is what will finally Absolutely. unite the factions of American culture, you know. And here's a tip uh, just between you and me. Uh, j- crochet baby hats. That way, anytime, just have like a pile of them. That way, anytime somebody says, oh, we're pregnant, you can say, oh, how wonderful. I made you this. Uh, I don't really want to positive reinforce, positively reinforce people having <laughs> babies, though. So. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> the fewer babies in my life, the better. <laughs> Are there any, like, punishment hats? Can you, can, I'm going to crochet like, crochet like a dunce caps. And then whenever someone tells me they're pregnant, I'm going to give them a dunce cap. <laughs> okay, man. Sorry, that was that was out of... This is a rough episode to keep on course. Wow. But uh, so for me, you know, this, this word gangway, you know, hearing it in this uh, 90s rap song, it, it really gave me this feeling of like, yeah, this is just Vanilla Ice. He's some kind of like... California, rich white boy, probably from Beverly Hills, you know, it, it, I, I always assumed it was kind of like a K-pop situation where, like, essentially record producer just said, hey, you're pretty, you know, sing this, sing this this way, and then train him and all those kinds of things. And I thought, okay, you know, probably he says gangway because his his family owns a yacht or something, you know. <laughs> And I was sure even I'd heard this about him, you know, that he was like a rich white guy who was kind of posing as a rapper, you know. Mm, Okay. Um, What other impressions of Vanilla Ice did you have before you researched him? Uh, I I think that's basically it, except, of course, I also, after Ice Ice Baby, he didn't really have any super successful songs, but he embarrassingly kind of tried a lot to, like, change and follow the trends and do a lot of different stuff like uh he Mm -hmm. he did a uh right after this album he did a gangster rap album where he got dreadlocks and then after that later he did it gets worse i mean later he did a a (laughs) new metal album like kind of limp biscuity type stuff and he actually did a new metal cover of Ice Ice Baby. Uh, it sounds a lot more interesting than it is. It actually was pretty boring, weirdly enough, you know. Mm. And, and then, uh, of course, he also tried to kind of get some success by getting close to the Insane Clown Posse. You know, it's like what? they had lower standards, their fans, so maybe they would like them, but didn't really hold <laughs> either, you know. Oh, no. So, 
you know, that kind of makes sense because he's from Florida and uh, Florida and Michigan have a real tight connection. Well, and this is something that made people really angry is that he's not exactly from Florida, you know. And uh what? and this was at a time when where you were from as a rapper especially was like a really big deal, you know. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't from any of the like big rap, you know, meccas of the time and the kind of closest to one was Florida. And so a lot of people mm-hmm. felt like he was like claiming this Florida origin just to um, you know, make himself give himself more cred, you know. So where's he from? He's from Dallas. Texas? Yeah, yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Dallas isn't a very Florida-y place. I don't know. I mean, it's got certainly some similarities, for sure, culturally speaking. Not a lot, though. That's true. You know, same but different. And not really a lot of outlets for if your passion is hip-hop. It's funny you should say that. And again, a lot of these things, it's kind of like what people just naturally assume. And then whenever you look into it, you kind of find out we are kind of all wrong and we're, we're a little bit mean to him, you know? Oh, okay. Um, so I think generally what people tend to think is like he, like I was saying, he's kind of like this white rapper who was just a white, pretty guy who he or his record producers, whatever, were trying to just like, like a Ken doll. capitalize on. He does a little bit. Like an evil mm-hmm. Ken doll. Uh, like <laughs> they were trying to like capitalize on rap and basically make a more appealing to white people version in order to make sales, you know. Um, mm. There was this uh, Jim Carrey was on uh, in Living Color at the time, and you know they kind of look a little similar. They're both sort of like tall white guys, you know. And uh, oh yeah, so they did a sort of a parody of Ice Ice Baby called White White Baby. You know, <laughs> it, it was pretty good. good. Uh, I think at the time it was like a super effective kind of takedown, you know, because it just made him look like this ridiculous jerk. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of the what I would say maybe is the thesis of the song is like uh, a couple of lines here. He says, I'm white and I'm capitalizing on a trend that's currently rising. And then in another part, he <laughs> says, uh. I'm living large and my bank is stupid because I just listen to real rap and dupe it. And dupe, in this case, means kind of like copy or imitate, maybe in a clownish way, you know. Burned by Jim Carrey. That's an oof. I think this really set the narrative and it kind of uh, reaffirmed what people would generally assume anyway, you know. But mm-hmm. so to get to the reality of it, uh, he actually... Before he was famous, before he was anything, he as a teenager he was a a uh, rapper, a break dancer. He did this just for his own self, busking, you know, um, performing just for his own enjoyment. He said he kind of started as a uh, break dancer, and uh, okay. he would kind of go to the mall and he would do the break dancing, and he would sort of rap <laughs> in between, or he would. Uh, rap about make little rhymes about his the other people in his uh group breakdancing and this evolved into him rapping you know so this would have been in the late 80s in dallas texas yeah something like it yeah and uh also- i'm picturing dallas texas buskers all like uh that kid in that walmart video just yodeling <laughs> and uh 
tapping his, his cowboy boots. I'm sure, like, my impression of Dallas, and I'm sure I'm wrong, is in the late 80s, this would have been a very uh, novel kind of uh, performance. Yeah, possibly so. I mean, I th- I think there's a lot of segregating that happens, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, there was a kind of a popular black club at the time. Uh, I was seeing here, uh, City Lights was the name of the club in South Dallas. And so mm-hmm. uh, after kind of making his own uh, sort of like uh, training himself, let's say, to be, be a break dancer, performer, <laughs> whatever, uh, and also to mention, you know, this kind of happened organically. He was, at first, he was like really into motocross and uh, he broke his ankle. And this was the weirdest thing. He said, like, <gasps> while his ankle was uh, recovering, he used his spare time to perfect his dance moves. So I'm not quite sure how that works, but <laughs> that's at least his claim. <laughs> Maybe he did okay. a lot of one legged dancing. I don't know. But I. I- I seem to recall that breakdancing sometimes involves hopping on one foot and sometimes screaming in pain because you accidentally stepped on your broken ankle. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's true. So, I mean, I mean break, it's right there in the name. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, And so, you know, after kind of getting a little bit of confidence, doing these things himself, busking, and supposedly he made a fair amount of money doing this. He claims to have made like $40 a day just doing uh, busking. Uh, He went to City Lights, and his friend there dared him to like, you know, try to perform on stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they liked it, you know. So this was like a predominantly black club. He was probably the only white person in there even his uh friends as other dancers were also black you know and he was generally accepted there and uh again before any kind of fame before any kind of involvement from record producers whatever managers whatever uh he was performing there as like the opener for a lot of really Ooh. legit rap acts in wa public enemy tone loke um sinbad mc hammer Etc. Now, was he as perform? Was he performing as like more than a novelty, or was it more like, "Hey, this look at this white guy; he thinks he can dance." <laughs> I would suspect it's probably a little bit of column B, you know. <laughs> uh, and yeah, a couple other things that are important to note again in this kind of defense of Vanilla Ice. Uh, the one thing is that he really wasn't rich at all, as as you may have mm-hmm. probably guessed by his, you know. Uh, impetus here to go out and busk and stuff uh Mm -hmm. so he was actually the the son of like a single mother uh she just taught piano lessons uh so you know kind of underemployed in that way and uh Mm. she eventually married and remarried a few times and uh for the most part he was raised by a um a car salesman from i want to say here ecuador let me double check here for you. Yes, Ecuador. So an Ecuadorian immigrant, oh. actually. You know, so so far okay. different from this kind of like super white blue blood sort of um, identity that I think we all imagine for Vanilla Ice. 
I think I feel like I've heard this biography a lot in a lot of other podcasts that covered like serial killers. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm really, really glad that the worst thing that he ever did was Ice Ice Baby. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, I I think a lot of the like kind of impression of him just comes from whenever you hear his real name, you know. So uh, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. his last name name is Van Winkle. (laughs) Right. And and I think you hear this and you just assume it's like some kind of like a Downton Abbey cast member or something, you know. Robert Matthew Van Winkle. Yeah, yeah. And this name came from not even his real father, right? So this just happened to come from a man that his his mother was married to uh, at the, the time car of his salesman? birth. A different, different person. Oh, okay. Van Winkle, not a popular Ecuadorian uh, surname either. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so even this thing, the last name that makes him seem like he's like Skull and Bones, uh, Yale man or something. Like mm-hmm. this isn't even his fault in any kind of way. Just a weird, random thing that happened to him, you know? Yeah, that is, I, you know, growing up with a name like Bobby Van Winkle, I would, <laughs> I would like guess more magic or, or, um, like clowning as opposed (laughs) to breakdancing as as far as like what you want to do after school yeah those would be pretty good i don't know i think of van winkle uh yeah hard to think of much else you can do yeah um you could take naps a lot of naps (laughs) yeah yeah okay like rip van winkle I think Rip's mm. real name does he have a real name even in that book? But I think his real I name was Robert name. too, yeah. Oh, was I think, it? I think so. I think Rip <gasps> was short for Robert there. Uh is Rip short for Robert? Let me look it up on the old internet here. Uh, Rip wow. can be short for names like Robert, Ripley, or any R name you prefer. So not that helpful. That's just bananas. <laughs> hey, so I his got mom an R named name. him. I could yeah. be Rip. <laughs> You could can be, be Rip. Can can everyone from this moment forward call me Rip Van Perkle? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually really good. <laughs> yeah, that's what he... If uh, you decide to be a clown, so to an- Yeah, Perkle. I mean, to answer your question, what does a Robert Van Winkle do with their life? I think, like, uh, word, word nerdism podcast is probably the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Finally here, so again, we generally have this idea he's sort of like this uh, uh, white poser, but so eventually, you know, he was popular enough at this club that a uh, manager and investor decided to try to make an album, you know, try to make some songs here, get it some radio airplay, everything. So Mm -hmm. uh, they had two ideas. One, they wanted to do play that funky music because it's the obvious choice you know yeah because uh, he's a white guy and he raps yeah exactly so so they made this song and then on the b side on the other side uh they did ice ice baby his uh producer for that song his you know song uh music writer earthquake which was the the dj at the city lights club he had made this kind of a uh, track mm-hmm. ice ice baby and that's that's earthquake who's doing the chorus part where he says ice ice baby too cold too cold um Ooh, vanilla ice, ice anyway so vanilla ice made a rap to go over that uh but mm-hmm. it's just the b-side so they sent that to radio stations and uh not a lot of djs cared to play it and the when they did it didn't really get good response 
Uh, but one or two DJs tried the other side. Uh, here on my notes here, Daryl J in Georgia supposedly was kind of one of the first to play this. Uh, and it was just super, super popular. So, like, essentially, they got a lot of calls saying, hey, play that Ice Ice Baby song again. Uh, Don't you know, play that funky music. <laughs> play that Ice Ice Baby. Do the other one, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they gave it to us wrong. <laughs> exactly. And, and so the point here, though, is that as far as funky, play that funky music, it's like you kind of get the idea, okay, maybe this song is about a white boy by a white rapper or whatever but ice ice baby people were just hearing it on the radio when it became popular and according to earthquake at least most people assumed he was black so this was huh. not a song that rose to popularity because of a white rapper if if the um if the narrative here is to be believed this is actually a song that just rose to popularity because it was good and probably later a lot more popularity maybe was heaped on top of that because he was like a a white guy but but at least in the beginning uh a lot of these ideas about him being a poser him being a a white guy who's just Mm -hmm. doing this because it's what's popular eh, there's some uh reasons to say otherwise i think you know now how much of this do you think uh and you you know music better than i do I'm not, I don't really like music. I don't really know music very well. Um, How much of that popularity do you think can be attributed to uh, the Queen sampling at the front? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a very good song. I mean, it was popular as a Queen song. It still seems uh, familiar to people. I I would say it's a fairly big part of it. Yeah, it's just a very nice uh, line there. And also, of course... It's a pretty good bass line. You can't help but notice that he didn't have any other successful songs. And I, I listened to <laughs> some of his other music because I think uh, Ice Ice Baby, you know, of course, it's hard to be objective about music, but I think it's good. I think he raps well in it. And I think mm-hmm. listening to his other stuff, not particularly good otherwise. Like, uh, you don't hear a lot of different uh you know, flows, you don't hear a lot of other creative wordplay, blah, blah, blah. It's like you would hope mm-hmm. that Ice Ice Baby is the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, and then you would hope that other things are interesting in other ways or whatever. But in my uh, unprofessional opinion here, I think that this was just... Your expert opinion. You are the <laughs> uh, the expert on this. Absolutely. Uh, ice mm-hmm. Vanilla Ice Scholar here. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I think this is the best that he's got. You know, it's, it's like the best of a fairly mm-hmm. mid-talent, you know, fairly middling talent here, you know? Yeah, okay. Um. So I did, I did want to point out, uh, I it does sample Under Pressure, uh, which came out in 1981. Uh, they, and he never gave credit to... Uh, Queen until after it became big. In fact, I read a story um, about uh, Brian May, who was a guitarist for Queen guitarist, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The first time he claims that he ever heard Ice Ice Baby, he was at a disco in uh, Berlin. And uh, he 
it was taken aback and uh, he went up to the DJ and he said, what song is this? And the DJ told him and said that it was number one in the United States at the time. Mm. And that's the first that Brian May had ever heard Ice Ice Baby. Like, they were not involved in this at all. Yeah, yeah. On top of that, um, Vanilla Ice does say, or Bobby Van Winkle does say that it took him about 30 minutes to write the lyrics to this song. Is that common with hip hop? Is it usually just, you know, uh, it's a 30 minute song and there's my hit? <laughs> I mean, one thing about it, so I will say all this stuff in defense of Vanilla Ice, but uh, I mean, he, one thing, he's not the most honest guy. So it's hard to say, you Ooh. know, is he saying something because it's true or because he thinks it sounds cool or what? I, I mean, I also read. I sometimes. I also read he he wrote this song when he was 16. Again, who knows? Is that true? I don't know. But um, I hope not, because uh, it's surprisingly violent. (laughs) (laughs) In one little part, right? That's the funny thing about the songs. Like all the all the description (laughs) I read, they they were like, uh, this song is about a incident he had in Miami, and also about how good he is at rapping. You know, it's like it's like, (laughs) and I think that's kind of most rap songs, right? It's like most rap songs are like seventy five percent I'm good at rapping, and then twenty five percent. Like something that happened. Once. I was at a shooting when I when I was cruising for girls on Beachfront Avenue. <laughs> yeah, and you know, even I think it's even more so was a thing in that era of like, um, you could have just like funny non sequiturs that were just there to fill some space or uh, mm-hmm. rhyme with something else. Like, uh, I, I have to say, I have to admit, it was in one of the articles I read for this. He. He referenced another group, uh, Gangstar's uh, rap song, in which one of the guys says, uh, lemonade was a popular drink and still is. <laughs> it's not related to anything. He just, it sounds cool. <laughs> it okay. Sounds nice. Makes you think of You know summer. what? I, yeah, yeah, that's refreshing. <laughs> and it's true. So, yeah, yeah. Unlike, apparently, Ice Ice Baby, <laughs> which he claims is about a weekend that he had with his friend D. Shay. Mm, mm. Yeah. I, like, if, if this is a weekend that he had with D. Shay where he brought out, he drove his Ford Mustang down Beachfront Avenue with his 9mm, and Shay also had a gun, and then they shot at some dope fiends and then ran away from the cops because the cops were chasing the other guys and they got away scot-free. That's like a kind of weekend that I never had when I was 16. <laughs> yeah. And it really shows you the kind of like uh, unconsidered uh, just life or just kind of like way of living mm-hmm. that Vanilla Ice has. You know, where he talks about this uh, story, this thing that happened to him, which probably for him, if it did happen, was like the most, you know, badass thing ever happen to him but when you really start to think about it, you're like eh, this this kind of sucks dude <laughs> you know? don't know if this is like a it's a weird flex man yeah he's like i'm so white that cops go arrest black people that are near me <laughs> when <laughs> i commit exactly a crime exactly what the lyric yeah. is oh that makes me so uncomfortable from a 2023 lens it does and even there's a sense of calling them dope fiends where you're like yeah. Why why does that sound like a it's like a, a monster type that you would face in a like PlayStation RPG or something, you know? <laughs> the dope fiend. And you kill like you grind by killing thirty of them or something, you know. 
Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's so it's it's very very you're right it's a dehumanizing term yeah and i i feel like he just didn't give it a second thought you know he's he's making the rhymes he's telling this his most gangster story that he has which probably is only half true anyway and he probably and, didn't even uh, think about the implications of what <laughs> what he was saying you know and once more in defense of vanilla ice that's what the 90s were like, like <laughs> yeah. culturally. True, true. Good thing things are so much better now. <laughs> Especially in Florida. <laughs> oh, Florida, you you continue to uh, fulfill expectations. Yeah. So so we've been defending vanilla ice now to to kind of give the to kind of like give them what he deserves. I, I mean, so it, it really starts with this. So. One of the big arguments that Vanilla Ice made was um, his record company, SBK, they they released this quote-unquote autobiography that he didn't actually write, and it told just mm-hmm. a lot of lies about him. And uh, essentially, it was trying to make him seem cooler, more gangster, um, trying to establish a kind of, you know, um, what's that word they use in art whenever you're talking about, like, where a picture is from. Do you oh, know um, not, origin story? No, never mind. Someone will, okay. someone will know when they hear this. But, um, and so, for instance, the sense that he came from Florida, uh, where mm-hmm. he did live sometimes in Florida, sometimes in Dallas. Again, his mother, you know, got remarried a few times. They moved around a lot. Uh, but he was mostly from Dallas. He obviously came up, became successful in Dallas. Uh, but Miami seemed like a cooler place, so they they put Miami mm-hmm. in the book, um, and some other things about like gangster stuff he did, crime stuff he did. They also said he was like a motocross national champion. He wasn't. He won some medals, some prize, some championships, but they were a bit more regional. So little things like that. Uh, Weird. So, so his claim was that you know they they made this book, and then whenever it came out that it it was all a lie. Um, this was kind of what destroyed his reputation, you know, and mm-hmm. it's a funny thing because it, it's kind of like, well, I mean, you're a famous person, there's some lies, you said them, other person said it, it's, it's kind of what it is to be famous, a lot of like stories, exaggerations, tall tales get sure, yeah. made, and I think he was very unlucky that this happened like right after the Millie Vanilli thing, you know? What was the Milli Vanilli thing? Milli Vanilli, this group that uh, was exposed that they were actually lip singing. The people who everyone <gasps> thought were the performers were just uh, two very handsome guys who were lip syncing <laughs> the real singers, you know. And this, wow. the Milli Vanilli never sang thing. At all? No, no, they they didn't sing, and they tried later. You know, after people found out, but it turned out they couldn't sing. So, uh, turns out singing is really hard. Yeah, it turns out. Um, and you know, it was almost like this Milli Vanilli thing. It was just such a hit story. You know, it was like for reporters, for pop culture people. Mm-hmm. This is just so it's so great to have this like huge scandal. It was kind of harmless in a weird way, yet at, at the same time they had kind of uh, tricked everybody. So it was like so outrageous. And so fun to read about and hear about Ooh. that I think they just kind of wanted to repeat it. You know, they kind of wanted to get this fame again. And I think in a weird way, Vanilla Ice was just a kind of a target of this, you know, whereas it's like most okay. celebrities are kind of dishonest about their 
life, but this was at a time where it was like really popular to just get somebody for it, you know. Um, but I, I've kind of gone back into defending him mode. The the thing I was gonna say is, you know, there yeah. there are things in this biography, this autobiography, that really make you feel like, okay, Vanilla Ice probably did make this, you know, because like there are details about things that he talked about himself at certain times, about like skateboarding. Uh, and the big thing for me is that he he talks about in this autobiography how he's really into real estate, which, of course, later <laughs> in life, like now he does a real estate, like one of those house flipping shows, you know. Russell, I feel like this is another flavor of Donald Trump. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. In so many ways. Uh, <laughs> Donald Trump also into real estate. Man, I really hope they never give Donald Trump a house makeover show. That would be so bad. <laughs> He could do like uh he I could would do like, love to see him. He could do like prison makeovers, you know? Yes. <gasps> Although I would actually really like to see Donald Trump goes Amish. <laughs> I would not watch any of these. I mean, no matter what it is. No, I wouldn't watch it, but I want it to too happen unpleasant. to him. You yeah, know it's what I mean? you want it to happen, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So to me, it seems like there's a lot of things where you can say, well, people are being really unfair to him to, you know, to really hate on him so much. But on the other hand, he was a pretty ridiculous, goofy, dishonest, not that mm-hmm. talented person, <laughs> you know, generally speaking. <laughs> um, again, listening to his other music, I, I didn't hear anything else that was really particularly good. And then also, it's like, you can kind of see how he just seems to be adopting whatever he thinks will be the popular style at oh, the yeah, time yeah. and hoping for the best, you know. He's a very popular um, Vanilla Ice as himself uh, in his filmography. Like, he does a lot of reality TV show <laughs> yeah. kind of cameos and other people's stuff just to, yeah. like, capitalize on whatever kind of fame he still has left. But it's just... Uh, I don't think that he's creative. I don't think that he's... <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, he. I mean, he is, but I don't think his creativity rises to the level of... You know, it's like um, I was talking about with someone, Nickelback, uh, a while ago, Ooh. where I was saying, you know, it's like... People ask, why do people hate Nickelback so much now? And they're not that bad, but they're also not that good, you know? So it was like, no. I think... Essentially, they got so famous and so successful that people thought, oh, you're too successful for what you do, you know? <laughs> and so then things curve in the other way. And people mm-hmm. are like, ah, oh, we hate this band because they're way more successful than they should be. And then eventually, you know, you, 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 re- you reach your level, your waterline, you know? And mm-hmm. I think a similar situation with Vanilla Ice, where it was like, this is a good song, but You've gotten too much success from this based on your actual yeah. level of talent. Yeah, you know? this is an anomaly. You shouldn't, like, this is an embarrassing anomaly in the history of music. <laughs> Let it be what it was, man. But you uh, you mentioned his filmography. So, you know, there's also a Ooh. Vanilla Ice movie that was made. What? Yes, is it a biography? Is it like a biopic? <laughs> could is it... be. I mean, really, it could be like a weird retelling of his life, but uh, it's presented as a not a biography. So who knows? You know, who knows what his Ooh, real life is like. Okay, so, so it's like the dramatized story, the story <laughs> that he wants us to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, called Cool as Ice. And um, in it, he plays a character named Johnny Van Owen. So <laughs> he's kept the van Wait, he doesn't play cool. himself? 
it is it's basically himself so he's got in this case like a biker gang instead of like a motocross thing but he still rides a motorcycle instead and he's essentially he's like roving the country it seems like with his dance crew (laughs) slash hip-hop crew (laughs) so they all ride bicycles by motorcycles sorry I think that that is a great segue into some of the lyrics of this uh, of this song that everybody knows, but I feel like nobody thinks about. Okay. First of all, it starts off, yo, VIP, let's kick it. Russell, who is VIP? Oh, I, I know this one already, because, of course, I also did the research. I know, tell us. <laughs> That's the uh, Vanilla Ice Posse, so that was the name of his uh, dance crew. That he it's the vanilla ice posse. Yeah. It's not he's not talking to the person listening to the song. I found that so heartbreaking. <laughs> like I thought that the song starts off with Yo VIP and he's talking to me. I'm the very important person that he's about to sing to. That is incorrect. He's talking to his dance crew. Yeah, it's just, you're just eavesdropping, you know. You're just a uh you're just a bystander, turns out. Mm-hmm. I also learned that uh, the 5.0, Ross, is a Ford Mustang. I had Why no is this? I didn't know. I mean, I, I imagine it's, it has five of something, five engines or something. If it has five tires, then that's <laughs> not road safe. Oh, most, most cars have five tires. They just only use four at a time. So maybe this was oh, the first right. one. Then there's the little wimpy donut that you keep in the trunk. I mean, maybe like it's five because it has... The extra tire is a real tire, right? It's like we don't we didn't do the donut for this one. This is a Mustang. You get five whole tires, you know. <laughs> uh, there's also a lyric. Uh, there's also another person that is mentioned in the song. Uh, a lot of people mishear this as DJ. Uh, he's actually saying Shay, which is his friend. They ah, actually yeah. had a falling out a little bit before the song came out, and Shay was never credited, but. Apparently, this song is about a wild weekend that Vanilla Ice and Shay shared in allegedly Miami. You feel he should have been credited as like a co-writer in that he wrote with by living it. Um, he was just never. There was some, the way the <laughs> way that I read it is there was some contention about uh, his involvement with the lyrics yeah, of the song. Okay, I got it. Um, so, but again, there's so much, and I'm learning that a lot of the things that I've learned are lies. (laughs) Lies on lies. This is a wild thing. It's like both, both sides of it are kind of so like manipulative and like secretive of, I don't know. It's weird. All sides, not even both sides. There's so many sides. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has a lie to tell about music, and it's weird. Yeah, and it's like they lie about every facet. Like, there's this weird Mm -hmm. thing where uh, Suge Knight, the producer slash record company uh, owner, whatever, uh, he kind of, like, threatened Vanilla Ice into giving him, like, part of the, you know, proceeds, the profits for the song, whatever, the points Mm -hmm. on it, whatever. And... He did it by kind of telling Vanilla Ice that he had found the guy who really wrote Ice Ice Baby, and uh, essentially Vanilla Ice had to pay this guy part of the royalties for writing the song. And it, it's really, what? you know, no one knows. Did he, was this just like, you know, what you would assume is this this guy was just the, the person that Suge Knight could get the money through in this method or maybe he did really write the song who knows you know um 
weird. <laughs> and then it's like in Vanilla Ice is telling of this, all kinds of other weird stuff happens, like、uh, Suge Knight dangles Vanilla Ice over the side of a balcony. I read that.、Uh, the other songwriter, the, the alleged songwriter, is all beat up whenever,、uh, you know. Suge Knight brings him to confront Vanilla Ice about having written the song, blah, blah, blah. So it's、oh、like、gosh. everybody's lying on all sides, you know? There's so many lies. I don't even know what the truth is. This is just a legendary song. <laughs>、um, so uh, the last uh, bit of the lyrics that I wanted to、uh, mention is Ice, ice, baby, too cold, too cold. Know what this is, Russ? No idea. What is it? This is a chant from the Alpha Phi Alpha Frat, a famously black frat that is、uh, featured in、uh, Spike Lee's movie. Ah,、uh, okay. Yeah. So this is. They say exactly the, the that, are, or they say something different? I don't know.、Uh, ice, ice baby, too cold, too cold. Really? Wow. Interesting.、Yeah. And、uh, so when people say that. Criticized Vanilla Ice for kind of capitalizing on black culture and stealing black culture. It's not without some basis. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird <laughs> to put that in yeah. there. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, to, to come to his like a、uh, half hearted defense, of course, he didn't write that part. You know, that was,、mm -hmm. that was the track that was given to him, you know. And I would even、gotcha. suspect he probably didn't even know about that. So, it is very surprising that this is the first single、uh, by a rapper to hit number one on the US charts. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's extremely surprising、uh, because, again, he's not very creative. He's、mm. just doing, like, it seems like this is a collage that's put together by a bunch of his friends and Queen. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that's true. Uh, uh, interestingly, it's not the first.、Um, A song with a rap to be number one. That one is、uh, Blondie. So, Blondie has a people, rap song?、Uh, Blondie has a song with rap on it. Rapture、That's, in 1989. Rapture? It's a pun on、yeah. rap? <laughs> well, there, there's a rap bit in it. I did not listen to the song. I'm not a big fan of Blondie. I just think there's it's no very, way the song called Rapture. Has rap in it and it was not a play on words. It has to be a pun. You're absolutely、it's, right. It absolutely has to be a pun. Is there any、I、chance just think it's, it's a rapping vulture in the song? <gasps> there is such a chance of that. There's no chance. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that it's really, really interesting and kind of a condemnation on、uh, the producers of music in this country. And Whoever is in charge of who gets number one、uh, on the charts. Whoever is in charge of what gets played. <laughs> that's us. Those people. <laughs> you know, that's, that's us. That's the listeners. It's, con it's condemnation on condemnation us. Condemnation <laughs> on us. Shame on us that the very first rap song to reach number one was, was a white man performing. Like, that's, not, that's not how this works. Yeah, too bad. Too bad.、Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, it's funny to think, right? And again, it's like you do wonder the people hearing on the radio, they hear this like a、uh, uh, frat, black frat chat, chat, chant,、mm -hmm. uh, that chant. was from Spike Lee chant, movies chant. that were, had a pretty mainstream appeal somewhat. You know, you do kind of feel like maybe people just assumed it was a black rapper, you know?、Mm, I also、yeah. feel. 
I also feel, on the other hand, a lot of this sense of like ridiculing him for being a white rapper, there's some weird kind of like, I think a lot of the controversy of it, a lot of the sort of like scandalness of it is just this implication that a white person is kind of lowering themselves to rap. You know, that I, I think in the 90s, Ooh. this was a feeling that people probably had, you know, because it, it's like you you look at the you look at the Jim Carrey thing and a lot of the like mm-hmm. um, goofiness of it, a lot of the absurdity of it is that this is a, a white guy, like a, a good looking, tall, handsome guy being a rapper, you know, which is like, what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. I, and again, I would say again to to come back to my like uh Lukewarm defense of Vanilla Ice. I, I think a lot of this is not his fault, you know? I mean, I, I think today, if he were just starting today, just rapping today, the things that were so outrageous in the 90s, I think today would be completely fine. You know, like, um, mm. a lot of people criticize um, uh, Post Malone in really similar ways. And in a lot of ways, he's a lot worse because he really is just kind of a guy who essentially puts on the rap persona almost mm-hmm. like a costume doesn't really even like rapping most of his songs aren't rap songs but it's 2020 it's okay doesn't matter so much and most people don't mind you know right yeah but so, <laughs> any, yeah anyways yeah we've talked a lot about vanilla ice we did. <laughs> but uh, this is also an etymology podcast yeah 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 it's <laughs> probably should get get to that as well um so we are, of course, talking about Gangway, uh, the particular lyric there. He says a lot of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with it, <laughs> essentially. Like, <laughs> there's not a lot of uh, narrative cohesion here, but uh, he's saying basically, like, I'm going to kill your brain, and uh, anything less than a dope melody is a felony, but you better Gangway, or you better hit the bullseye. So he's saying, like, yeah, get out of the way, or you got to, like, kill me dead, I guess. <laughs> I do also think it's a stroke of genius to rhyme melody with felony. Hmm. It's not bad. Worse things have happened. It's definitely better than listen with invention. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, it always bothered me the, like, order of stop, then collaborate, then listen. I I don't quite get... What what <laughs> what this sequence of events is doing exactly? But that's fine. It's it's all good. You're right. Good song. That is an or odd sequence. <laughs> so coming to gangway instead. Gangway. Uh, so we there's a couple ways we need to come at this. One, we need to know like the etymology of these words. You know, where did the words gang and way come from, and gangway itself, and where did the actual concept of a gangway, this compound word. What was that? Right. So let's start by just saying what is a gangway? What was it originally? Um, it's funny. I think we all kind of get the sense that somehow it's related to pirates. I don't know why we Ooh. know this, but we seem to somehow all know it's piratey. It is piratey. It's, uh, and I feel like it's just because it's naval, and we uh, kind of assume that anything naval is piratey. But how do we know? Because it's that's naval, our favorite. You know? Uh, well, gangway is a part of a ship. It is a part um, of a ship, yeah. But yeah. again, how do we know that? This is so crazy that we know all these things that we have no reason why we should know. I know. You know we're not in the Navy. We're not on a ship. It's it's really wild. But 
It's true. There's it's a true. couple of really interesting naval uh, slang terms that you wouldn't expect to actually come from the Navy. Like, There's uh, tons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Long shot. Tied over. Uh, taken aback is mm. actually a naval slang. This is all like... Uh, uh, it's it's kind of it's one of those phenomenon uh, phenomena that um is brought in from a certain group of people mm-hmm. i think uh people liked sailors at the time and then they stopped liking sailors and it was less popular and and then vanilla ice came <laughs> yeah yeah it brought it all back mm-hmm. uh and i was like i was so curious was did he have a sailing background or something in some way but no not nothing in particular uh, he was, as- I think, a jet ski racer at the time. So <laughs> He did do some jet ski racing. That's true. Yeah. So there's that, at yeah. least. And then, of course, spending time in Miami or those kinds of places. Maybe he's close mm-hmm. to the ocean. So maybe somehow that influences it, too. Oh, um, death. And, and then generally, I mean, I suppose... On the one case, as we've talked about before, generally, like, military stuff just has like a outsized influence on language and culture just because a lot of things get invented there you have to innovate in order to win or in order to protect whatever mm-hmm. uh, and then also of course they're just moving around a lot you know it's like uh their ways of talking get carried around just because they they carry around you know and of the uh, groups of population, sailors do travel a lot of places and they take their slang with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the gangway, it started out, you know, if you picture like uh, these kinds of ships like you would think of as a pirate ship, but obviously some of them are just merchant ships, navy ships, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a kind of a raised the the board the deck of the ship there's kind of a raised part towards the back right uh yeah. or the front i don't know i think it's the back though um and so this is the part where the captain would generally stay as he is like observing the the goings on on the, the ship pirate is behind the big pirate wheel maybe there's, there's a the wheel there i feel like the wheel's off in there yeah and um the wheel's there so this one's raised up a bit for, for I think, just for visual ability to see. Um, and there's a like a little stairway or walkway of some kind there. And originally this was the gangway, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, it kind of just spread more generally. Um, but along these lines, this was maybe 1680 or so. Uh, up to 1780, it was more just the... The opening on the side and the little stairs or whatever mm. that you would use to get onto or off of the ship. So it's like a passageway through, like a a, um, a makeshift passageway through a narrow kind of way. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly, yeah. And, and so we had the we had the sense of gangway, you know, spreading to just mean a passage. Uh, from there. We started to use gangway for a few different things, like uh, trains, uh, the connectors where people would walk between coaches. Uh, these were called gangways because in a similar way, it was kind of this uh, thing to walk on to go from one place to the next. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then in in buses, the I don't know if you've ever seen them. I don't know how common they are but sometimes you'll see a bus it almost has like an accordion thing in the middle you know oh 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's called an articulated bus. And uh, well, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, but weirdly it works. And, and anyways, <laughs> this middle passage is connection, also called uh, gangway as well. Interesting. And then for, very interesting. For some reason in Chicago, just in Chicago, some of their alleys, as far as I could understand, it was like these residential alleys, also called gangways, because you kind of walk through here as well. That makes sense. Um, I feel like Chicago would probably have a different etymology uh, to that sort of gangway, um, just because I've heard stories about Chicago alleys. And if the comic books are right, that is the way of the gang. <laughs> yeah and a lot of people made that connection too like uh mm -hmm. but i it's hard to say for sure but you know it's like words are bumping around in your head i could see they they say gang a lot anyway maybe they start to apply it in weird different places from the rest oh if of you us, live you know. in chicago you say gang at least four times a day it's it's <laughs> yeah it's why that's all very Gu common gucci gang was so popular there yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and as far as how did uh, gangway come to mean, like, get out of the way, you know, like, uh, make way, mm. something like that? It Actually, unfortunately, it's kind of a mystery. Uh, I mean, it, you can kind of clearly see how logically you would, you would c connect these two, right? So you're kind of saying, like, yeah. to make a path make for a me, make a make gangway. A you're saying simply a path, a gangway, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. You know, in that same way. Like when chefs say, make a hole or, or <laughs> yeah, make yeah. way. Yeah, exactly a, right. Yeah, so it, it's hard to say, you know, it's like since it's the same word, it's really hard to find the exact origin point for this. Yeah. Uh, as far as how did Gangway kind of arise or get carried forward into uh, modern culture, I, I think it's fair to say that Treasure Island and other books around this time, other mm -hmm. kind of plays, you know, Pirates of Penzance came out a bit earlier than this, but um, around 1880 to 1900 or so, uh, there was the book Treasure Island coming out. And this was kind of where you start to see the rise again of gangway in culture. The so, sort of romanticization of pirate life. Yeah, I'd say so. And then we have, you know, gangway as a word that people are sort of familiar with again. Oh, you know? so it's like uh, how people, well, when I was growing up, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean was a thing, and people just started saying parlay for no reason. People say parlay a bit. I think it's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and he also said savvy a lot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that, that people started to say it. Uh, R. I don't think, actually, do they even <laughs> ever say R in Pirates of the Caribbean? I caught myself actually saying ahoy to my boss the other day. It's a pretty good one, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you know, the, the whole lore of that is like uh, whenever Graham Bell invented the telephone, that's what he wanted us to say. He wanted us to phone. say ahoy? Yeah, he's like, we need a word, and it's got to be different from... Because it's like answering the telephone, you don't know how formal you need to greet somebody because mm. you don't know who, who's on the other end, you know? Oh. So we needed an all-purpose word. And actually, that's the rise of hello as well, actually, because it was, like, not in use already for anything, you know, in any, I mean, in any, like, big way, whatever. Um, but the other funny connection point is uh, Vanilla Ice actually recently played uh, Captain Hook in a pantomime. <gasps> 
I say recently, it's a long time ago. Uh, but <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny. It it seemed to be really, really like small. Uh, not a big deal, not a big thing at all because I couldn't find any images or even much. Uh, yeah. But it was Again, uh, he 2011. He's a very creative person. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but yeah, 2011, Whoa, he, he did sorry. this. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so pirate uh, or naval you said you had naval language or pirate i language. do I yes guess they're one in the same uh, i don't know well i do have some uh words that you and phrases that you would recognize that actually come from a naval sort of background um so to tide over uh, what does the phrase to tide over mean uh it means like to kind of satiate you in some way for a short time until something mm-hmm. else you know exactly and tied over actually means uh uh it refers to when uh the ships would lose wind in the middle of the ocean so they couldn't go anywhere they couldn't sail with the ocean they would have to just drift on the tides that's known as tiding over mm. in naval slang um the doldrums yeah okay so it's like i just, just want to think on this meditate on this for a minute so mm-hmm. so it's like the uh the time between winds in this case right so you're you're gonna yeah. be tided over as in just the tide's gonna move you over a bit until you get right to so i had wind. a small lunch and i'm hungry before dinner why don't i have like a granola bar to tide me over yeah yeah wonderful okay sorry what's um, the next one there is of course feeling blue uh we covered a little bit about Mm. this in our blue episode but uh to feel blue is to like be kind of sad yeah um now this comes from the sort of uh, the uh popular trend of um naval vessels Mm. when a captain would die they would fly a painted blue flag so uh that grief was associated with the blue flag right yeah feeling blue you're sad yeah, we should say for the pet ants out here, this is an alleged thing, but this there's yeah. there's not a lot of clear evidence. There's a lot of other, as we talked about in our blue episode, go back and listen, uh, Eiffel mm-hmm. 50, 65, blue. <laughs> uh, it's a fun one. There's a lot of possible origins for this connection of blue and sadness, and that is one thing that people oftentimes uh, point to, is this idea of having a blue flag whenever a naval officer died. Absolutely. Now, the phrase taken aback, what does this mean to you? Uh, it kind of means you're something like shocked or upset or like uh, disturbed. I can't think of quite the right word, but something along those lines about something, right? Sure. Something close to that? Absolutely. So literally, and, and this is a very, I love this kind of language that's so illustrative. Um, it's when you're taken aback on a ship, uh, the ship catches a sudden gust of wind uh, and it goes suddenly forward so fast that it slams you back into the wall or into the railing or into mm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Taken aback. Yeah, it, it's it's a funny one because it's like the, it seems like if you get a, a good wind, it's kind of a good thing, right? On the mm-hmm. ship, especially if it's going in the direction you're already going. So the I think Definitely. the meaning here is is warped a little bit in time, right? Um, I think it's the sort of wind that throw because you're prepared for catching wind. Uh, when you're taken aback and you're actually uh, to the point where you're thrust against uh, the 
uh, railing or against the wall and you're not prepared for it, it's probably a wind that's coming from the wrong direction or a wave that's uh, slamming you from the wrong direction. Uh, it definitely has that sort of feeling of, I wasn't prepared for this at all. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, you know, looking up the word now, I don't know if it necessarily it has a negative meaning. I, I'm looking at net taken aback, right, in, in dictionaries mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, maybe it's neutral. Can you be taken aback yeah. positively about something, or just generally neutrally, kind of like stunned positively or taken aback? Yeah, yeah. Usually, me yeah, too. Pretty much I feel every time I've been too. taken aback, I've been yeah, like. Yeah. And so that I really like that sort of language that is so it, it illustrates that feeling so well. Yeah, yeah. Um so the doldrums, I'm mm. sure uh anybody who is uh a little bit familiar with like naval passages, do you know what the doldrums are? Or what is it to be like your feeling in the doldrums? Uh yeah, just kind of sad, depressed, or low mm. energy, whatever, bored maybe. Yeah, so the doldrums are a a place of sort of like dead water, where Mm. there are no currents, where you can't really catch a wind. It's like a a place in the water where you can't move away from very easily. Like, uh, the doldrums are places where you'd have to whip out the oars and try to, like, move to a better place of water. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see, I see. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's funny to see... It's it's such a great illustration of like how we're unaware that most of our language is just like idiomatic. It's just like how far mm-hmm. back do you have to go to find? Yeah, I say idiomatic here to mean like a kind of a funny expression or or some kind of metaphorical type of expression. You know, like um, mm-hmm. one of them I was I encountered recently, and this is just one random example, like flagrant. You know, uh, yeah. Flagrant means, you know, of course, something like uh, unabashed or uh, mm-hmm. without trying to hide it, something like that. Uh, flagrant actually is just an old word for like flaming, like on fire, right? Uh, conflagration is another word coming from the same root, right? Oh, that makes sense. And, and so these days, of course, we would never say that the house is uh, flagrant. But we would say the house is on fire. So we kind of, over time, we lose the like metaphorical, funny, uh, punning or connection of words to their like comparative meaning. Uh, But they're still there, all kinds, you know, all kinds are there. I'm so glad we have the opportunity to research this. This is a lot of fun for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so any others? Yes, I do. Um, long shot. Long shot is when. Uh, so, what what is a long shot? Uh, something that's like not likely to work, but you try it because there's a little chance mm-hmm. of success. Whatever. Yeah. So, long shot is um, when you've already loaded the cannon and you are trying to shoot it. A long shot is it's very very far away, which makes it um, accuracy sort of nebulous at best. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and the last one that I have, yeah, last one I have is toe the line. Hmm. What this is means toe the to line? like do what you're told, I guess. Do what the authority wants you to do. I think something like that. Yeah. So this actually stems from the British Navy. Um, in order to, uh, and the, the British Navy is famously very, very rigid uh, with um, 
rules, and especially back in the time when this became slang, um, to tow the line is uh, when the uh, when the so sailors would line up for inspection. They would have to do it barefoot, and mm. uh, in order to make sure that they were rigidly in the single line, everybody would have to line their toes up to one of the lines <laughs> of the boards of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed it was something like toe, like T O W, like you're pulling a line or something. That's hilarious. <laughs> toe the line. I had no idea yeah. it was T O E this whole time. Incredible. Totally. <laughs> Totally. Uh, <laughs> ouch. Uh, so you may be wondering, wh- why are we, we've talked about gangway, what is it? But why is it called a gangway exactly? You know, like, what does this have to do with gangs or whatever? Uh, yeah. So it turns out our word gang, G-A-N-G, in all its forms, like a gang of people, whatever, cool in the gang, whatever. Uh, this is the <laughs> same root as our word for go. And the original meanings were kind Ooh. of closer to go, right? Uh, really? So our word go comes from, like, uh, as you would expect, kind of old Germanic and eventually back to uh, mm-hmm. Proto-Indo-European, something like a ge or ge, meaning to let go, to release. Uh, for Once it comes into the Germanic and the Old English, it just generally means something more like go or walk or depart go away whatever and so we have our word go uh we have this form gang which again just generally meant like a journey going somewhere Mm -hmm. passage whatever and this was more like the let's say the noun form when you talk about the thing yeah uh, the act of going so to speak and Possibly here there is another root, something like gang, meaning to step or to walk, which again, you get the sense of a similar idea. So these words are probably connected there too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got it. So of course, a gangway is a way that you go, a way meaning a path, right? Yeah. So you're going to go somewhere on the gangway. That's cool. Solved it. Uh, and so then how that come- was a quick episode. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. See you guys. Uh, how come then we also <laughs> use gang to mean like a group of people, sometimes a group of criminals instead? Well, it's a little <gasps> weirder, but uh, basically we had from this idea of the going, the journey, whatever, you had the sense of like the things that you're going to take with you for your journey. So like, I I think of today, there's that, there's that phrase everyday carry where you talk Mm. about what are your things that you have with you? Or I think it's some kind of a multi-tool that you take with you or something. I don't know. Or in D and D it would be like your adventurers pack. Sure. Exactly. Right. And, And so like your, your gang, eventually evolved to mean kind of like the tools, the the stuff that you were going to take. And from there, you just got just generally the sense of like uh, some kind of collection that was going together, something like that. Okay. And so from there, you get to the sense of a, a group of people who are going together. Um, from there, how do you get to like a sense of they're bad people? Uh, there, there aren't a lot of like huge reasons why I think it's just, you know, there are groups, even still now we use gang sometimes to mean a good group, uh, again, like my gang of friends or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Or you could say you gang up on somebody and this just means you all take one side yeah. against them, you know? 
Um, but it certainly doesn't have any kind of like formal connotations whatsoever. It's it's either casual or it's um it, or it's like uh, saying that these are criminals. Yeah, yeah. It I, I would say probably it has some connection to like uh prison gangs, you know, the sense of like a uh, a work gang, a chain gang, whatever. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to amend that actually cuz don't they call like um conglomerates uh like a seogang group or uh or seogang uh, no i'm thinking of something wrong uh, something else i'm so sorry ignore me we have gangnam style is that what you were we do have gangnam style opa gangnam you're right style. i yes. think it was that i was thinking of <laughs> gangnam style why do we call it that i have no answer for that listeners <laughs> didn't look it up just occurred to me just now i'm sure they're unrelated it's not like there is a <laughs> suburb in seoul called gangnam yeah i'm pretty sure gochujang is not like a uh spicy criminal organization so far as i know um <laughs> so we have gang here to mean like a group of people we have gang here to mean just generally away we don't really use it that way much anymore uh we do get a, a few other interesting words from the same gank ish root of um Ooh. go right uh so we get for instance uh gangling or gangly uh and this means of course kind of like a long loose jointed i have here in my notes person mm-hmm. uh kind of a tall slender person something like that how and- is that connected to go i think just the sense that they kind of walk on like long you know long striding legs something maybe. like that maybe you know? kind of the, the looseness this. of their walking maybe it's because gangly people are so weird that people just want them to go away <laughs> ouch <laughs> take that gangly people <laughs> i am completely joking i have a lot of gangly family and i love them she's not joking she doesn't <laughs> and uh finally here doppelganger right from a german word um this literally just means double goer (laughs) right which is weird that sounds creepy when you say it like that (laughs) look this is my double goer a doppelganger this is this idea of uh, someone uh, in my notes here, I have apparition of a living person, someone who looks just like you, is just like you, but um, is not you, right? So generally today we use it to talk about a person who weirdly looks just like you, but is not connected to you in any way, right? I've listened to enough cryptid podcasts to say that they're totally connected to you and that they mean your death is coming soon. Ooh, that's not good news, though. Are they gonna... Will they be okay, though? Will they survive? Or are we both well, die? Well, they'll replace you, yeah. Oh, they're replacing me. Oh, because like a D&D mm-hmm. Dungeons & Dragons doppelganger situation. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's okay. I'm okay with it. I mean, like, <laughs> uh, I I just want someone to, to be happy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Steal my identity, folks. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds yeah it's like mm, life is hard you know life someone is else hard. could live it for me i don't know i i'd certainly think about it mm, yeah that could be a nice vacation yeah i'm just kidding i'm absolutely happy <laughs> great you know what makes me happy though what oh i forgot it's something in, oh. in europe or 
Oh, 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 oh. Having to I do with vision. Oh, tip of my tongue, tip of my tongue, tip of can't, my tongue. Can't quite get it out. Eurovision! Okay. Oh, yes. On <laughs> this podcast, it. we also talk about Eurovision. We do. The continental phenomenon that is, uh, uh, or has been, taking this uh, world by storm. Uh, ex- everywhere except for everywhere that's not Europe. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most <laughs> European people are not interested to talk about this. <laughs> Which uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it because today we we're talking about 2023's offering from Malta. Um, well, so you listen to the song, Russ. It was this Malta. Is, it was <laughs> yeah. Malta. We, we did. The, uh, we did listen to it. We promise. Uh, yes, this we did. Was uh what what that's uh the okay busker. i always thought yeah i always thought that was the song name i just realized <gasps> oh no 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 the uh the band is called the busker and the song is called dance parentheses our own party close parentheses huh. which of course we just talked about a, a guy who got yeah. his start as a busker vanilla ice robert van winkle himself i know there's so many connections music is weird we did. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 2023 Malta, if you only ever uh, watch the, the grand final, you won't be familiar with this track because they failed to qualify this year, so, which I think is bullshit because I really enjoyed this one. I agree. So they, they didn't get out of the first round, basically. Right, right. They yeah, were illuminated after the, uh, uh, in the semifinal. It is a bummer. It is a bummer. Especially since um, the Maltese are, uh, like, per capita, more Maltese watch uh, Eurovision than almost any other Euro- European country. Oh, uh, uh, but you can't vote for yourself. No, you can't so vote So it actually puts yourself. them in a worse position. So, like, as a country, you're better off if nobody in your country likes Eurovision, actually. Uh, Yeah, because then they're not going to vote. Yeah. Yeah, and the only... Well, because you're still going to be giving out 12 points, 10 points, 8... Yeah. You're you're still going to be giving out... Exactly. You can't give them out to yourself. Oh, that's true. So, no matter how many people vote, the points don't change. That's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's Uh a democracy. Yeah, perfect. Representative democracy. Perfect direct democracy. Yeah, representative democracy. <laughs> <laughs> no uh no weird things going on there at all. So Malta has two uh um official languages. The first is English because they were an uh English colony until I believe like uh 1864, I want to say, or no, six, like 1860, uh, 1964, thereabouts. Um, mm. Ever since oh. then, they've been independent, uh, but they were an English um, colony. Uh, and the other language is called Malti or Maltese. Mm. Um, this is a pretty interesting language, Russ. Uh, I think that you'd be very interested to know that uh, it's the only Semitic language that is written with Latin characters. Um, oh. It's thought to have its start in the ancient Phoenician language uh, when the Phoenicians came to the island for the first time in uh, 750 BCE. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, so I I didn't really know anything about Malta. So I'm looking here on the map. They're kind of like right north of uh, Libya, right next to Tunisia, not so far from Mm -hmm. Egypt. And they're right, right to the south of Italy. They're like so close to Italy. They they look like they should just be. An mm-hmm. island of Italy, you know. 
And as a result, uh, Malta received a lot of beatings from other countries because uh, when Europe and Africa attack each other, they've got to stop uh, in Malta or in one of sure. the Mediterranean islands to sort of refuel, uh, get all your stuff ready, get ready for battle. So there's a lot of uh, history of, say, piracy, naval uh, warfare in uh in the World War II, Malta received like a really, really heavy amount of bombing just because of the um, proximity to Italy and, and you know just the location mm. of it. It's been a pretty crappy sort of ge- geography, which is such a shame because if you also look at pictures of Malta, it's stunning. It's like an entire island of Mediterranean paradise. Yeah, it looks nice. Looks good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I wanted to share with you a little bit of, well, first of all, um, one of the interesting things about Malta is it has more federal holidays than almost any other European country. It has 14 days uh, uh, during the calendar year that everybody just doesn't go to work. They're, like, Um, celebrating, like, the fact that they didn't die in any of the bombings and stuff, (laughs) or, like, what do they have to celebrate, exactly? Why are they so well, celebrative? They have a lot of uh, a Catholic uh, sort of uh, background, uh, mm. just because, uh, well, starting during the Crusades. And, of course, um, they were invaded by uh, Muslims coming up from Libya. They were invaded by uh, Catholics coming down from Italy. And just culturally, Catholicism won out in a lot of ways. But also, there's a lot of Arab and African influences in the language. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's a really, really interesting uh, thing. A lot of these national holidays are like feast days, uh, the Feast of St. Peter and Paul. One of them is the Feast of the Drowning of Some Ship. Um, so, <laughs> I know. And only three of these uh, holidays actually occur during summer. And that's, uh, yeah, that's wild to me. But it's like... Close to, not close to the equator at all. Wow. But I I get the feeling it's a pretty nice weather year-round type place. Yeah, yeah. It's a Mediterranean. It's usually very hot, very dry. um, But the sea breeze makes it uh, nice and cool. Uh, Mm. So it's... um, Kind of the perfect pirate island if you're talking about Mediterranean pirate islands. (laughs) You would assume there's some pirate stuff. Who knows, though? I mean, they're not in the ocean exactly, in the sea. So, I mentioned that there were a lot of Arab and kind of African influences on the language, which, of course, came from a Semitic base uh, in Phoenicians. Hmm. Um, And I thought that you would be interested to know that it has uh, that glottal stop cue that you find in a lot of Arab languages, where the cue is not vocalized, it's just an unvocalized glottal stop. So, you're... You're, why are you saying Q here? You're saying like a qua sound or? So it's used with Latin characters, uh, ah, like okay. a lot so of you Semitic languages. Okay. But mm-hmm. you, you, in your, it sounds a bit like a k- is sound or what? It sounds like a, so one of the words, uh, one of the uh, phrases that I brought as uh, an offering from the Maltese language is Bahar Isu Zit. Uh, now, Isu is, uh, I, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right, but I'm, it's a non-vocalized Q. It's spelled Q-I-S-U. 
um, you don't pronounce that Q, you make it a glottal stop instead. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know mm-hmm. what you mean. Yeah, I got it. So, yeah, it, it's hard to. Kisu. It's hard to hear it. Sometimes you can hear it better if it's like inside of a sentence. So, for instance, if mm-hmm. you said, This is Izu, you can hear that because you have to intentionally close your mm-hmm. larynx before you start the next word. But yeah, it's really hard to catch. But yes, I, I know exactly what you mean now. So, Bahar Isu uh, Zait means a sea that looks like oil. This is a phenomenon that you see a lot in uh, uh, multi-summers, apparently. It's when uh, the wind is really calm, it's twilight, the sea is just shiny and black and still. That's called Bahar Isu Zait. Then, of course, my favorite... Gelat. Um, can you guess cream? what that means? It does! Gelata. It means ice cream! Yeah. Yeah, Italian has a lot of influence on it as well. Um, there's shemsh, which means the sun. Um, which shemsh? I think is a really... Shemsh. It's spelled X-E-M-X. Oh. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> and this one is a bit of uh, multi-slang that I came across. Um... It's uh, pronounced uh, Shana to boss. Apparently, um, this means, uh, so Shana means heat. Apparently, this means uh, heat that farts. It is <laughs> a fart. heat, heat that uh, is like, it permeates everything. Like a really, really rowdy fart. Oh, oh heat that farts. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a yeah, what an evocative, awful <laughs> term. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, it's so powerful. You really it is. It feel really is. what they mean. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, even you wonder if they're talking about like, you know, whenever the heat makes the waves in the air. You know. Yes, exactly. It looks like wind, like a fart, right? It looks like stink lines on a. Oh, on it looks like stink cartoon. lines too. You're right. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, just to talk about this song a little before we yes, uh, leave I'm it so behind. Sorry, totally, yeah. no, it's fine. Uh, I, I, I think it's great. I mean, like this. You know, we talk a lot about you want to see the performance be something really good, and these guys. It's probably one of the only songs I've ever seen where it's better to watch the real performance than to watch the music video. You know, because they, they do a lot of creative things. They move around the stage. They've got, mm-hmm. they they both use like real props where they're like sitting in different places and meeting different little groups of people. And they're using the, the projector screen, the backdrop really well. Mm-hmm. He's got like stuff written on his hand that he holds up to cool effect. And uh, they've got the, of course, the the great set piece of the song is that saxophone guy. You know, oh, the for sexual sure. part. So. A blast. And it was such a fun song to listen to. It's a fun song to watch. I, I, was... I think it has a real, like, classic pop song sound. It's got a real, like, mm-hmm. this is just your, like, your essential pop song, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Yeah. And that's another reason that I think I don't know what Europeans want. Cause this was like my favorite song of this of the uh, semifinals in this uh, in this semifinal, like it was 
a bop. I, I really expected it to go pretty far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Again, it's like I, I tend to suspect what a lot of people do is a lot of the voting is not really that influenced by how good the songs mm-hmm. are. Who knows if it's true or not. But you wonder, you know. Mm. Malta, make more friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, on the other hand, I, I guess the, the winning song, at least, it, it did have a more like on-trend modern sound to it you know like tattoo Mm, i think sounds more like a real pop song in some ways you know that's true that's true i just really like this uh kind of fun not too serious and it sort of kind of it it really legitimizes the introvert sort of lifestyle i feel better in my sweater Ah, okay. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. I never look at the lyrics of this. So, so basically, mm-hmm. he's saying like, instead of going out to a party, we're just having our own little party yeah. at home, something like this. Exactly. Ah. And it's such a charming kind of song to that end. I, I it's just, uh, I don't want to go to the club. Let's just stay home, wear pajamas, and dance in the living room. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what got him. I mean, maybe it's like, uh not the right audience for this sentiment, you know? That is true, because cha-cha-cha is basically the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We gotta do that one soon. All right, guys. Uh, You've been listening to Getting Down and Wordy, the podcast where we take popular music and make it nerdy. I've been Russell (laughs) Perkle. I've been Hannah. And remember to check out the other great podcasts on our podcast network, podmoth.network. And follow us on socials if you got them. We're on mostly Instagram now since Twitter's kind of turned sour. They kind of like spoiled like a fruit. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, uh, uh, it's like, ooh, it's a moldy strawberry right now. So uh, look us up on Instagram at getting down and wordy not the ampersand on that one because i didn't know if you could put it or not so on uh Ooh, can instagram you? it's just an a and d i have no idea oh, if you can make boring. an ampersand or not all right guys thanks for listening have a good thank one thank you bye